Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Something that Pastor actually said on Sunday triggered within me, and actually he's been talking about this kind of vein of what it will be like when the Lord returns, right? To take us, catch us out of here. And uh, looking through scripture, and Pastor talked about this, he said that it says that in the last days, it's going to be like the days of Noah. The days of Noah, right? And what was going on, Pastor said, that God came down and said that he regretted that he had even made man and they were uh, extremely wicked, right? That they were wicked. And he said, now when he returns, that's how the people are going to be in the earth. What were they doing? It said in the days of Noah that they were what? Drinking and marrying and carrying on like he wasn't going to return. Right? They were distracted with life. They were distracted with what their lives in the natural were. Amen? They were distracted by all the things going on around them and what we considered being married and, you know, having a family and and doing all the things necessary that we have to do for life and for living, right? And so they they were only concerned about those things. And he said, of course, that they were extremely wicked. Well, When he talked about that on something, something triggered on the inside of me and uh, was thinking about, you know, it talks in many scriptures about what it's going to be like in the last days. We know over in Timothy, he talks about in the last days, people are going to be lovers of self, right? Uh, Boastful, uh, lawless, all kinds of stuff. Uh, We know that he talks about, and this is the scripture that really God led me to, to minister on in Jude uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 20 through 25, because Jude, the whole book of Jude talks about what is going to be, it's just one chapter. Y'all have a homework assignment. You know when you have me, you're going to have a homework assignment. Go home this week and read this chapter, okay? I don't have time to read it. But here in Jude, he talks about that in these last days, there's going to be haters of God, mockers, lawless. I mean, he gives us a description of what this earth is going to look like at the moment and in a twinkling of an eye when he returns, He gives us a glimpse. We do not have to be ignorant, but we will be ignorant if we carry on like the people in Noah's day, going about life thinking that he's not God or that he's not going to return. And I've said this many times before. There are people that now believe, that once believed, you know, 
that God was going to come back, but because it's been so long, they don't even believe in the return of Christ anymore. They don't even believe in hell anymore. I mean, this is reality. So what does that tell me? That they are not even aware of a day of reckoning, so to speak, or a day of his return when he's going to come back blow the trumpet and take us out of here for seven years and then we're going to come back, right? Uh, But there are people that once believed those truths, but because of time and because of getting caught up with life every day, they're now believing that he's not even going to return. No, God's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do, right? He's going to do exactly what he said he would do. And so over in Jude, in verse 20, he said this, But ye, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith. After he got through talking about what people were going to be like in the last days, he says, But you now, you, beloved, are you his beloved? You, beloved, You need to, what, build yourself up in your most holy faith. What is your faith? The faith that rests in the word of God, right? Because uh, faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing from the word of God. So our faith uh, rests in the uh, document of his word that will come to pass. This is where our faith has to lie and has to remain. Amen. And he says, then praying. So it's not just praying in the Holy Ghost, but it's also having faith, right? Building yourself up in your most holy faith. All right. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And what does he say? This is what I want to talk about tonight. Keeping Love. Keeping love. Keeping love. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So here in Jude, he gives us a description of what people are going to look like. Mockers, haters of God, scoffers, lawless in Jude, deceived, never Never coming to, right, a, uh, a real understanding of who God is. Not that they weren't able to, but they have chosen to live a life separated from God, right? And then he goes on to say, listen, keep yourself in the loving uh, love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. And then he goes on to say, and have, some, and have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Mm. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, To the only wise God, our Savior, glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So, 
in the middle of him telling us about all these people that are going to be lawless, that are going to be mockers and scoffers at the things of God. And I don't know if your eyes are not open, but this is literally happening on a rampant uh, basis in our nation. And uh, there is no fear of God. No fear of God. Morality is not there. We used to have some fear of a moral standard and a moral compass, but it is no longer there. When people can walk into middle of churches and strip down butt naked, cursing God, come on, there is no fear of God. People, even back in the day, used to respect, you know, have you been around people that um, if they, you know, you go and you're talking to somebody and they hear maybe you're a minister or a pastor. Oh, sorry, pastor, for my language. They could care less today. Could care less. There used to be a respect. There used to be a fear of the things of God, reverential fear. But there is none today, is none today, right, among the world. And so he lets us know all these things are going to be happening. People are going to hate you, mock you, scoff at you for what you believe. And did we not see that during COVID? We had people ride through this car, uh, this parking lot, spin out wheels and scream death threats. We had death threats over our lives. There is nothing about God that people want. And they mock him and scoff him. And he says, now in the midst of this, you're going to have to build yourself up on your most holy faith Praying in the Holy Ghost. I would not want to live today without the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost, but not only that, you're going to have to keep yourself in love. Keep yourself in love. Why? Because we know that faith will not work in our lives if we are not in uh, love, in a position of love. So we're not going to be able to build ourselves up in faith if we're not a person that's operating in love. What kind of love? The world's way that love is love is love? No, this is talking about agape love. This is who God is. This is who he is. He is love. God is love. This is his nature. This is his character. This is agape love that is nothing can be compared to it in this world. And he says, listen, in this day and in this hour, you're going to have to make sure that you keep yourself in love. He didn't say, I'm going to keep you in love. Didn't say it. He didn't say, well, you're good because, you know, the day you got born again, Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart, so you're good to go. No. No. Just because it's in there doesn't mean it's activated. You're going to have to be the one that keeps the love of God 
on the inside of you activated, you're going to have to keep yourself in a position of operating in God's love because I'm going to tell you when somebody walks up to you and wants to spit in your face, which it happens already when people preach the gospel, when people want to punch you out, when people want to ride through and scream death threats at you, when people want to, uh, you know, say that they're going to kill your children and your grandchildren, what you going to do because of what you believe and because of what you stand for, right? We know that, uh, you know, people in the world, Christians have kept their mouth shut because of persecution. They're scared to even talk about Jesus. Why? Because of the ridicule, the mocking, the, you know, all of the persecution that they will have to endure in the midst of and in their environment, right? So we're going to have to be people that know how to appropriate God's love in these situations. Why? Because you can easily get into the flesh and start hating them. Easily. You can easily get over into a place where you become hardened towards people. And they're the very ones that need our God. Amen. But if you become hardened, if you become a person that starts hating the very person because of the way they're, it's not against flesh and blood. And we have to remember that. When persecution comes, it's not the person, it's the spirit behind the person. Amen. But how many of us as believers take all of these confrontations and all of these situations, we take it personal? We take it personal. When I know who I represent, it's not personal. They may think it's personal, and it's a personal attack, but I don't take it as a personal attack. You see what I'm saying? And this is how we must be as believers in this hour that we're living, that we realize that the things that are happening is not against us. It is nothing personal. But the Bible says that we ought to jump, shout, and rejoice when we are persecuted for the sake of the gospel. But most of us, excuse me, are not excited about it in reality. And this is the reality of it, that we're not excited when we get persecuted. You know? We're not. That's just the bottom line. But when you know who your God is, come on, when you have been in a place that you have built your faith up, right? When you recognize the strategies of the devil, we do not have to be ignorant. And we can walk over all kinds of things in God's love because we're actually keeping his love 
as the source of everything we do. As the source of everything that we do. Amen? And then look at Matthew 24. I'm actually going to be out of Matthew a lot tonight. But in Matthew's gospel and chapter 24, this is another, uh, you know, chapter talking about what it's going to be like in the last days. Nations are going to rise against nations. You know, all this is happening in Matthew chapter 24. But when you get down to verse 12, he says this, but right before verse 12, I don't have it in my notes, but he says lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness. We are living right in the day and hour of complete lawlessness. Now, it's not to where we're having, you know, people just completely, you know, go and like right now. But they could, you know, just come in and bust in and do think they're going to destroy things and tear things up and complete riot, rioting and all these things. But there are parts of it happening on a daily basis in different places in our nation, right? And it's just the beginning, the beginning. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is not allowed, lawlessness is operating in an arena of not allowing governance to happen, right? And we see this happening. Our whole government is lawless when they can't even, in the FBI, get it right. Our whole government is lawless. They can do whatever they want to do and get away with it. There's so many people that I would have put their butts in jail so quick their head would have spun. Right? But they're law- it's, it's lawlessness happening. And we have to realize that, guys. That we are seeing the last days unfold and it's not going to get any better. It's just going to continually, this is not, again, not doom and gloom. It's exciting times to actually be living in the earth. When you know who you are. Amen. When you know who you are, this is the most exciting times that we could be living. And when you keep an eternal uh, focus and not be caught up like those that were in the day of Noah, only concerned about what's going on in your family and your, right? When you see the kingdom and what's happening, you'll realize we must be about the Father's business. We must be about the Father's business. So he says here in verse 12, he says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. So in Jude, he tells us, we must keep love. We must keep love. And he tells us why. Because the love of many will wax cold. So if we don't take the responsibility of making sure that we're keeping the agape love, the center of our hearts and the center of our lives and the motivation for everything that we're doing, then guess what? 
we can be the opportunity to wax cold. Our love. Because actually, when you look at this scripture and you look it up in the Greek, it says the love of many shall wax cold. That love is talking about agape love. Lost people do not have agape love. So this is to believers. Agape love gets shed abroad in your heart the moment you make a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he lets us know that we could wax cold in this last day if we don't keep love the source of everything that we're doing. And this is not your definition of love. This is the purity of agape love. What he says love is. What he has deemed love is. Right? The purity of his love. And so he lets us know that because sin, iniquity is going to be abounding, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, that's kind of actually emphatic. It, wasn't, it didn't say, like, maybe some will wax cold. He said, many will. I'm going to choose not to be one of those many. This is what we're talking about tonight. We have to choose to not be one of those many that he is talking about that love is going to wax cold in the last day because of sin, iniquity, lawlessness, things that are happening in the world. Right? So he says it's going to wax cold. It says this, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness, right? So we have to recognize that he is talking to um, believers here. Believers that can wax cold. Believers that can be people that actually Revelations talks about. You're not either hot nor cold. What are you? Lukewarm. So he lets us know that this is about people in the church that can wax cold, that are not on fire for the Lord any longer. And the reason why it is is because they've allowed the world into their hearts. And this can happen in many ways. But let's look at that word keep, where he says keep yourself in love. It means to guard. Which reminds me of another scripture, and I didn't write this down, but the Holy Ghost just reminded me. Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. So this word guard is in that same context. We must be people that are going to guard our heart. What are we guarding it from? Allowing scoffers, mockers, hatred, sin, lawlessness to affect us. This is what we're guarding it from. So he says to keep it, guard it. You know, it reminded me of the word and I didn't look it up. But he told Adam what in the garden? To keep it. Guard it, multiply it. And that's the same word, keep there in that context. 
We have to be the ones that are keep making sure that the love of God is staying in right posture when it comes to applying agape in our lives every day. We are the ones responsible for that. We are the ones that have to guard uh, that love in our hearts. We are the ones that have to keep it. We're the ones that have to cultivate it because love is a fruit and that love can continue to abound and grow and excel in our lives to where we're walking uh, in such a great love towards things and people more so today than we ever were. I'm going to tell you, it does work. I mean, you know, normally back in the day, uh, before love has been perfected in my heart, if people were to go through this parking lot cussing and different things like that, I would take it personal and probably have said something back. <laughs> right? But because love has, I've allowed love, his love to grow in my heart and his love to be perfected in my life that now, you know what, that don't even bother me. I actually do leap and jump and, and rejoice knowing, my God, we are advancing the kingdom in the earth. Hallelujah, because there's some persecution happening. Hallelujah, so I know his kingdom is advancing. We are taking territory. Hallelujah. It don't even bother me anymore because I love them with the love of God because they wouldn't like me if I didn't have that love. And I wouldn't like them. Anyway, so this love, we're to, to guard it, to keep it, to attend to it, to care, take care of it. Uh, one uh, word it also means is to hold fast to it. We have to hold fast to his love. We do. And then he says also it means to watch unto that means we have to watch ourselves to make sure that we are actually walking in it, applying it, observing it, to do it. Because it's one thing to know that his love is how we ought to act, but it's another thing to respond and do that love in the midst of the situation, right? And that's what he's saying. Make sure you watch unto it. You observe it. You do it. You do it, right? And so we have to be the ones responsible for that. Now there um, in uh, Jude, if you read Jude in the Passion Translation where it talks about keep yourself in the love of God. Or no, excuse me. I'm gonna, I haven't read the scripture. That's not where that is at. Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2. This is where this is. In Revelation chapter 2, you know, he's talking to the church of Ephesus, right? He's talking to the seven churches, and he begins to let them know they've done good, right? They've done good with this, 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 and that. But there's, then there's some things that they hadn't done so good. And he had it against them. Oh, you mean God's holding things against people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so he had this against this church of Ephesus, right? And it says um, in uh, Revelations 2, it says, Nevertheless, I have 
found this against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You left your first love. And when you look that up in the Passion uh, translation where it says you've left your first love, it actually talks about passion there. You're not passionately in love with me anymore. Passion. So that's what happens when we begin to uh, not realize how important it is that we're staying in love, but not only in the posture of love towards people, but actually staying in a posture of love towards the Lord. Passionate for Him. Are we passionate for Him? This is what, your passion is dying out. You know, we talk about that in marriages. It seems like, you know, there's just no passion anymore in our marriage. Right? So the same thing you do naturally is the same thing you do spiritually. What do you have to do? You have to stir up that passion again. You have to go back to your first love, meaning go back to the things that you used to do, like be giddy and go on a date with your wife. I mean, how many people have been on a date in 50,000 years, right? Or go back to, you know, romancing her again or him again, right? Go back to uh, putting a little sweet card in their, you know, lunchbox when you send them off to work. But, you know, that don't happen today because most people don't even cook anymore they just uber it or is it uber or what what is it not uber that's driving doordash see i don't even do it so uh you know they do all that kind of stuff so there's things here that he's letting us know do you see this whole theme here that in the last day if we don't remain passionate because of things that are going on in the world for him, then we're going to allow our love to wax cold. We're going to lose uh, that giddiness, that passion that we once had for him when we first got born again. That's why when we first started, you know, exhorting and worship, why it's so important because we must remember how we felt. When we truly made him Lord and we experienced and we encountered that salvation for the very first time, that deliverance for the very first time, that love that poured out in your heart that you had never been able to find anywhere else but the moment you met Jesus, come on. That love was there that you were searching for. You have to remember these things to keep yourself passionate towards him. Because he warns us in, and this is just like three or four scriptures concerning the last day and your love walk with him and others. There's many more, many more concerning this. He warns us. And yet you can barely get people stirred up about God anymore. 
Man, you ought to be running into this sanctuary, excited to worship God together. You ought to be running to these altars every time there's a moment. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to take that passion to keep ourselves in a position that we are right with God because I don't want to risk, come on, I don't want to risk that fire being put out, that passion being put out. You ought to be excited the moment somebody opens up the scripture like he said, "My, uh, wasn't it just burning in our hearts when you read the scripture? Is your heart burning when the scripture is read to you, when you're sitting there reading the scripture? Hallelujah. So he says, listen, now, let me talk about Ephesus just a minute. This was the largest church, right, back in the day, if I'm not correct. If I am correct. If I, what am I saying? I don't know. Y'all know me. Anyway, Ephesus, the largest church in that day, in that time, and exciting church. It was the happening church. It was exciting it actually lets us know that they labored hard. They were making, this church was excelling. I mean, they were being added to. Uh, I mean, it was like the best church in the town that you could ever go to, like this one, right? <laughs> and I mean, they were advancing. They were advancing. They were laboring. They were working. But what happened? They got caught up so much in the work and what they were doing for the Lord that they lost the love or the passion of why they were doing it. And I'm going to tell you, in the world that we're living today and all the busyness and all the things that are going on uh, in our daily lives that we just keep adding to our plate, you know, uh, just, yeah, I, my head spins thinking about some of y'all and what y'all all do. Uh, you know, go, 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 go. No wonder, no wonder some of the passion that you once had for the things of God and your relationship with the Lord is no longer there because you're being distracted with the things that are going on in everyday life. And that's the number one tool that's going to steal that passion for the Lord from you. It's going to steal it. It's going to keep you so distracted that before long you're thinking, what in the world am I even doing? Where am I at? I mean, I don't even feel like I hear God anymore. I mean, I'm just doing all busy and ineffective. And so that passion just begins to wane because you've lost focus on your relationship with the Lord. And I'm going to tell you the best of us can do it. I mean, when you're driven, when you're a person that's driven by, you know, I mean, even the best of ministers can get caught up in it. You are so passionate and driven about winning the world, but you're forgetting, right, that daily 
time with the Lord that you then wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I'm right with God. And you think, wondering why all these pastors are falling off the turnip truck. Because we can never get to a place in our life with the Lord that we cannot, come on, every day, daily, meditate in his word, read his word, spend time with him, fellowshipping with him. There is not a day that can go by because this was meant to be our daily bread. This was meant to be that daily life source. And I'm going to tell you, if you get busy, the life is going to be sucked out of you dry. You're just going to feel like it's just all been sucked out of you and you're just dry. Has people ever felt dry? This is the key. Guarantee you, you're so busy you ain't reading the word. You're not building yourself up in your faith. Reading the word, spending time fellowshipping with the Lord, acknowledging him every day in your life. Come on. It is not a ritual and a rigorous thing that you have to do. He said, my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. Religion makes it hard. But this is not a hard thing to live. It's an easy yoke. And it is a yoke because we're yoked together with him. That's how we're supposed to be. Remember that yoke that's on two mules' backs? That means they're together, and this is how our life ought to be. So easily yoked together with the Lord that wherever he says, I go. Whatever he says, do, I do. Whatever he says, say, I say. It's easy. It's easy because I'm yoked together with him every day. Right? And... And so here in Revelations, he says, listen, this church, you've done well. You've labored. You've not gotten weary. But what you did do is lost your passion for the one whom you're serving. So you've lost your first love. And you know what he tells them to do? Repent. Three easy things he lets them know that they can do. They can repent or they can remember. He said, remember. First, in the scripture, if you read it, I don't have it on the screen. I believe it's uh, four and five. He said, remember your first love. Repent and then do, one translation says, return. Return to doing what you were doing when you first fell in love with him. You see that? Three easy R's. Remember, repent, and return. What are we remembering? What it was like the day he rescued you. What are you remembering? The continual deliverance that, uh, that he, you know happened in your life on a continual basis because you were living with him, serving him. Come on. Remember it. And repent. What is repent? We know repent means change. Turn around. Change your thinking and get back to the place. Return to the place that you were at one time with the Lord. Amen? And he lets us know. 
that then he can begin to we can begin to allow that passion for him once again to be stirred in our hearts okay remember in Matthew Matthew 22 37 through 38 it says this Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God what with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind this is the first and great commandment he desires all your passion he does my husband told me one time I don't love you more than I love God you know you hear Mary, oh, you know, I love you with all my heart. He said, I don't love you with all my heart. I love God with all my heart, all my strength, and all my soul. I love him that way. Because if he loved me more than he loved God, come on. Then he actually is worshiping me. Or vice versa. You are supposed to be loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your strength, with everything that is within you, first and foremost. He lets you know, seek first the kingdom of God. First place in every, every area of your life ought to be the Lord's. It ought to be first in everything, in everything. Hallelujah. And with that, he tells us here uh, where it says that y'all, you shall love the Lord thy God with all of your heart. It literally, one translation says, with every passion in your heart. One translation reads it that way. With every passion in your heart. You know, I know some people that are really passionate about things. But yet I don't see that same passion in your heart towards the Lord and what he's doing in the earth. So you have to ask yourself, there are some misplaced priorities. You have to examine. He lets us know we must examine our hearts and say, are there misplaced priorities or passions that I have more for other things than I do for number one, and that should be the Lord. That should be the Lord. Amen? It should be the Lord. You should be more passionate about God and what he's doing than your job, than your kids, than their football games, than their baseball games. You should be more passionate about being able to serve and do whatever you can do for the body of Christ than you do for, come on. This is the truth. This is the truth. We ought to be people that are so passionate that when God says something we, and he says, do this, and we say, yes, sir, how, you know, like basically jump, and I say, how high? Right? What is it that you need me to do? Yes, sir. And, and not just do it to do it, but to do it with a passion, an excited heart. Come on, willing and obedient. But so many people are not eating the good of the land because they're, they're, they are what? Obedient, but they're not willing. 
Uh, you know what I love? When I look at all the people, the new uh, vision partners, and then they go through supportive ministry class, and they're so excited to put their hand to something. And I love when I read that thing that says, put me anywhere you need me. That is what I'm talking about. Anywhere I can be to serve the Lord and putting my hand to anything, you put me anywhere. That's exciting. Because that's how our heart ought to be. Willing to do whatever we can do to help build his church up. Come on, in this last day. To bring a supply because this is the hope of the world. Believe it or not. It's the hope of the world. I don't think many people believe it because of the way they treat it. But anyway, I won't go there. All right. So Matthew 7, let's go here. This is another great one in the Gospel of Matthew. We've just been focused on Matthew today. Matthew seven twenty through 28 says this, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But I thought all we had to do was make a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not everybody that makes that confession, Lord, Lord, come on, he says, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. So that sounds like the church of Ephesus. They did many wonderful works, right? It says, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. When you look that I never knew you up, knew you is talking about I was never intimately acquainted with you. So let's think about passion. You know, most marriages, passion dies because of one thing. They lose intimacy. And intimacy, when people hear that, are only thinking of one type of intimacy. Not impotency, but (laughs) (laughs) intimacy has way more to do than with just, you know, that aspect of it, right? We like to have intimate conversations with our spouses. We want to have an actual relationship where we can talk about things, where we can, you know, dream about things, where we can you know, enjoy life together and enjoy things together. That is part of being intimate. But he lets us know that these people were not intimate with me. They were doing some of these things, but they didn't really know me. They didn't really know me. And that's why I say we've got to know our God. We've got to know his voice. We need to know his ways and his mode of operation in this last day. Amen. We need to be intimate with him. We need to get into a place where we're stirring up that passion once again for the things of God and actually spending time with him. 
right? I would rather, you know, I don't need a lot, but I do need quality time. I don't need a lot of quantity of time. I just need quality of time. I just need somebody to sit down and actually have a conversation with me about things that are going on and actually act like they're interested, right? And like have a conversation with somebody that's not stuck on their phone. Like in one hand and then they're glancing down. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right? You see what I'm saying? So... You know, he's talking about the fact that we've got to stir up our love for him, that intimacy that we had with him, that relationship, that passion that we once had with him. And listen, that's the only one, that's the only way that we are going to stay in a position of walking in love every day in this world, the day the, the darkness continues to, you know, grow and grow and grow. Amen? One way that we keep ourselves in the love of God is not allowing other things to take away from our relationship with the Lord. Right? That's what most marriages, most women and men talk about. Well, they're always busy. They're always working. They're always, you know, they're always out, uh, you know, hunting. Or they're always out fishing. I mean, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. I remember those days where it was hunting season and you like never saw them, right? Or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying all of that is bad. If you're actually doing your job as a real husband and a real man, she'll want you to leave. Because y'all have had so much intimacy that she needs a break. Right? So, if you're actually doing your job, there's a good healthy balance. Right? But most of the time, the reason why there's still a, you know, a conflict with distractions and different things is because they're not doing what it takes every day. The day in and the day out. The daily nourishment that a, that a, you know, a spouse needs. I'm talking, I don't even know why we're talking about marriage, but it's good because it's a type and shadow of our relationship with Christ and the church. And so, it's a great example of this. If you're doing what you need to be doing on a daily basis to make your wife feel loved, she's not going to have not one problem with you going hunting. But if you're never around, always busy, not spending time, not engaging, not sending flowers, not going on a date, not doing anything to cultivate the passion and that relationship, then there's going to be a problem when you say, oh, and by the way, I'm going to spend four weeks up at a hunting camp because she's depleted. But if you're constantly feeling, her cup will run over and she'll say, go. It's healthy. 
healthy. This is how you have a healthy relationship with the Lord and a healthy marriage. All right? We're giving both counsel tonight. Didn't know we were going to do that, but it's good. Must be needed. Is hunting season coming or something? <laughs> All right. So, what are we saying? The way that we're going to keep ourselves in that uh, passion towards God and staying in a place of keeping uh, the love of God in our hearts is uh, not allowing other things to come before our relationship with the Lord. Right? All the different distractions, all the things that this world has to offer us to be busy about. Distracted with this, distracted with that, distracted with this, whatever. I mean, there are so much distractions today, it is just mind-blowing. Right? Uh, you know, and the thing about it is, is those distractions will eat away slowly at you and your relationship with the Lord. Look at Mark 19. It says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and you become unfruitful. And when you look up the cares of this world, it literally is talking about these cares that are distractions. Distractions. These cares, right? There's natural cares that we know have to take place. We have to work because if a man don't work, a man don't eat. There's things we have to do, right, in the natural. We have to you know, clean our houses, clean our cars, take care of our children, cook, clean. All these kinds of things that are uh, right and that are in the natural that we have to do to live. But again, they cannot be so consuming that you get so distracted and pulled away at doing all these things that you're not making the most priority that he has to be the first place in your life. Right? Meaning you're going to have to be a person that says, I am not going to leave the house until I spend time reading the word. Or I'm not going to do this until I, you know, uh, make sure that I've done that. Time in prayer, whatever the case may be, you have to prioritize your relationship with the Lord and not misplace these things. You have to prioritize it. Because I'm going to tell you, you will get sucked away. And then it says, you know, and I've read this scripture many times. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to say it. That in the last days, many are going to fall away from the faith. And you think, really? Many are going to fall away from the faith? Absolutely. Because of this right here. This right here. You get so caught up in all the cares and all the things going on in this world. The lust of these things, the deceitfulness of going for the next dollar and the next gig and the next bid and the next whatever. The lust talks about the things, right? All the things that wants to keep your time away from the Lord, like hunting, fishing, boating, you know, all these other things, going to Disney every weekend, whatever. I mean, there's so many things that people are doing all the time, constantly, that are keeping their uh, focus and keeping them from focusing on the things of God. 
And he's not saying you can't do all these things. But it goes back to the priority. It goes back to am I doing what I need to do daily so that I can enjoy going and doing. But if you're not doing what you must be doing daily, then guess what? Before long, you're going to be spinning your wheels and wondering where have I, what have I become? Where have I found myself? Falling away. Falling away. Getting caught up in all these things that the world has to offer. Right? That you're not putting any time with your relationship with the Lord. So, he tells us we must uh, not be focused on the things of this world. Jesus, again, in Luke 10, 41, says this, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art uh, careful and troubled about many things. This is a perfect example of somebody that's so uh, caught up in the cares and the distractions he gives the example of Martha she's so busy and caught up and troubled and anxious and continually just in turmoil being busy when the very thing she needed was to be in his presence at his feet right Luke 21 34 says this and take heed yourself lest any time your hearts be overcharged with this surf I don't even know how to pronounce that word. Surfeiting. Surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of life. And so that they uh, that day may not come upon you unaware. You see, that's what he's saying. You get so caught up. And things going on in the world, you get so caught up and let think you're not taking heed to your heart, you're not guarding, you're not keeping your love walk towards Him, that passion to be, and you're getting caught up with all these things in life that all of a sudden you're unaware of where you are at now. And you're wondering why your marriage is falling apart, you're. You know, your kids are acting like heathens. You know, your job has gone crazy or whatever the case may be. You know, you're, you, you don't even want to, you're so de, just worn out and tired. You can barely even do life. You can't, you see what I'm saying? And, and, you, and it's, it's all, all because you simply did not keep the love of God, the center of your heart and focus and that passion for the Lord stirred up in your heart. Now look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.10 says this. It says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto uh, Thessaloniki, Laniki, to Galatia, Titus, and unto that place, right? So what happened? He, Paul was letting us know or at that Demas left him because he got so caught up in this world. He wanted this world more than he wanted to follow God 
on this journey. He wanted the things of the world, and he got so caught on that he, he departed. He departed from the things. That, and I'm seeing that happen left and right today in people's lives that were in church. I mean, for years, guys, years, people in church and just departing and walking away. And, I mean, Christian music artists that for, were popular for years, Saying they don't even believe in God anymore and turning away and walking away. Why? Because they were doing it with a wrong motive in their heart. They were doing it for the applause of men or they were doing it for all these works or different things, whatever the case may be. But their heart, they didn't keep their heart. They didn't guard it. They, they lost that passion that they truly had. Where I say, I could care less about anything ever again. All I want is me and my Lord. Right? I mean, we got to be like that. To where I'm not, chase, I'm not doing the rat race. I'm not getting caught up in the things of this world and, and pursuing all these things that all the people in the world are doing that are so passionate and burning uh, both ends, right, to make it big or do whatever and not even have now a life that's living for the Lord, passionate for the Lord. Letting their love wax cold. Letting that passion die out for the things of God. No, no, no. He, he warns us that this is what's going to happen in these last days. And we must be well prepared to make sure that we are keeping our hearts in the right place. Amen? And how do we do that? Not getting caught up with the distractions of this world. And the things going on that we forget our daily devotion with the Lord. We must, and it goes back to, there will never be a day that we cannot not read our Bible. There can never be another day that we don't fellowship with him in prayer. There can never be another day that we are not people uh, that are worshiping our God. Meaning, worship has different meanings. It's not just about singing songs to Him, but worship has to mean that I'm worshiping Him and Him alone. I'm submitted to Him and Him alone. His ways. I don't worship my job. I don't worship my kids. I don't worship my husband. Come on. No, I worship Him and Him alone. I worship Him. He has all and everything. But, and you know, but worship also has to do, it has to do with you individually. But then let's think about the worship corporately. Because this isn't just about you and your little personal relationship with the Lord. No, he put you in a body, his body. And we must have individual worship and then we must have corporate worship where we all collect together and we all come together because we're a part of one another and we need not just fellowship with him and him alone but we need fellowship with one another the bible says that it's a must in the book of acts when the day of pentecost came 
what did they said they all would get together they brought all their uh earnings and all their belongings to the apostles feet and they um you know was able to distribute there but they were there to what break bread to fellowship and to prayer all of them are important so these people that think they don't need to come to fellowships and they don't need to get together with people. No, God said it was all important for the church. We need one another. You need people that are going to be there to just encourage you and, and build you up. Why? Because the Bible actually says that we're part of one another. And every joint supplies. You bring a nourishment. You bring a supply to someone else. Amen. You can't get away from it. You're not going to be on a, a, a big cloud all by yourself on the sweet by and by in your little shack up in heaven. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And if you can't get along with people right now, well, I don't know that you're even going to get along into heaven. Because heaven's about his people. For eternity, there's going to be people that you're going to have to deal with. Amen. We're going to be judging people. We're going to be dealing with people. We will never not be dealing with people. Thank God we'll be glorified. Right? There's got to be something special there. Amen. And then the next thing that we must do if we're going to continue to stay passionate and uh, keep ourselves in the love of God is we have to remember that we have to share the good news. People are so hurting. They are so broken. They, I mean, we cast a demon out of someone this week right here down this hallway. And it was a child. This is reality of the real world that we're living in and what's happening on a daily basis. Amen? And we need to be sharing the good news of what God has done for you. You don't have to be a scholar to be able to say, hey, you know what God did for my life? Do you know my life was a complete mess? I mean, I was a broken little 16-year-old pregnant girl, right? Whatever your, everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they can share with somebody on a daily basis that is hurting and living in darkness right now. Amen. And when we take a position of, you know what, this is not about me, but this is actually about advancing God's kingdom, and that there are hurting people out there that need to know that Jesus actually can heal their broken hearts. That Jesus can actually set them free and deliver them. And because we forget that, 
then that passion dies. Why, are, why is this place not packed? Why is this church not packed? Because you've forgotten what God has done for you. You've forgotten that your marriage was on the verge of divorce before you walked through these doors. You've forgotten, come on, that you were on drugs and set free. You were addicted to pornography before you walked through these doors. We've forgotten all of these things because we get so caught up in life that we're not remembering the power of what God has done in our life. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take that in this day and in, our, in this hour that we are living, that we've got to get ourselves stirred back up in love with Jesus passionate about him and your relationship with him. Come on. Reading the Bible and, and opening it up like it was the first time you ever opened it up. And remember how the words that would just jump off the page and you're like, wow, it's amazing. Do you still have that same passion? When you're reading the word or is it become religious to you now? Or, you know, you're so busy that you're not even doing it because you think you already know. I mean, you've, you've read it now for five years with the church from front to cover. That's more than most people do in their whole life. So you already read it. You already know what's in the book. No, that type of attitude is the very thing. That keeps that, come on, keeps that passion from being there. Like he said, remember where you came from. Repent of your attitudes. And, and the fact that you know you're not passionate about the things of God anymore. And then return to your first love. And get stirred up again about the things of God. Get stirred up about serving him. Get stirred up about sharing with people you come across with. Get stirred up about, come on, about your relationship with the Lord. Keep your hearts in this day. Keep it. Guard it. Protect it. Because it's going to, I mean, you know what? He says, I know what the scripture says. The darker the day, the brighter the light. But your light is not bright unless you're keeping it lit. Because you can, as the scripture said in Matthew, and I didn't read that parable, put it under a bushel. Put it under a bushel. And so you're... You're just in darkness with the dark people because you've not kept your fire and your passion and your heart stirred up in the word of God and for the things of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So he lets us know that in the last days that these are the things that are going to be going on and that we are going to have to be responsible to keep ourselves in the love of God if we are going to actually continue in faith until he, he talked about until he returns, are we going to be able to endure? Are we going to be able to endure? You're not going to endure. And I'm not going to be part of the many that didn't. 
the many that didn't, the many that are going to fall away. He didn't say maybe some will fall away. He said many will fall away. Many's hearts will wax cold. So how many Christians do they say that's on the planet today? You know, not very many compared to, does anybody know that number off the top of their head? Something billion, right? But there's how many people in the earth today? Over seven. But many of those billion, he said, are going to fall away. There's no getting around it. So there's going to be people that fall away, and we're seeing it happen day after day. And it's simply because they have lost their passion for the things of God. They have quit reading the Bible on a daily basis. They have quit going back to what we consider the basic things of Christianity, which is read your Bible, pray every day, and... Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.